When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, unfortunately, we do have to discuss what was a pretty a pretty abysmal weekend for Everton, if we're honest. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Jones, and I'm today joined by Dave Prentice, Gab Buckland, and Sam Carroll. And we're going to talk about Everton's defeat Wolves at the weekend, pretty, pretty abysmal performance from the Blues. We'll discuss that in detail. We'll discuss Seamus Coleman's comments after the game. We'll discuss Jordan Pickford, who made a couple more mistakes and his reaction to those mistakes. And uh, we'll look quickly ahead at what might be the case for the rest of Everton's season with the prospect of European football now certainly off the table. Uh, but we'll start off with the performance in general and Preno, you get the you get the joy of being able to go first here. What on earth was that? Joy. Joy of going first. <laughs> it was a shock. It was an absolute humiliating performance. Uh, it reminded me in some respects of a game which got me into a lot of trouble uh, quite a few years ago when Emerson went to Manchester City on the last day of the season and just down tools and I uh, got 5-1. And uh, I accused the players of, I think the, the headline of the Echo was taking the b- in the days when we uh, we actually went as strong as that. And because um, for me, you know, Everton themselves say uh, that season with a victory against Tottenham on a good Friday and then effectively down tools, you know, I think took one point from the remaining six games of the season because they knew they were safe and there was nothing to play for. And they were going through the motions and the issues with the manager. Now, I know the the issues are very, very different now. I mean, that was a long time ago, 2005, I'm talking now. Uh, but to me, the attitude seemed very similar. It was almost like a couldn't really that bog because of the great deal to play for, when in actual fact, there's an awful lot to play for. I mean, apart from the, the European place, which was still a possibility prior to kickoff, there's your long-term futures at the football club. Um, you've got a new manager in there who's still finding about the players at his disposal. And to me, an awful lot of those players uh, told that manager what he didn't want to hear, basically. That they're not the right attitude, they're not the right character, they're not the right uh, kind of people that he wants at his football club. And initially, I think he would have arrived anticipating tweaks being made in the quality of the squad at his disposal. But, you know, I think he would have hoped that there would have been a good attitude and a good you know, sentiment amongst other players. And to me, it wasn't there. Uh, I just didn't see much at all. There was a little spell, second half, you know, sort of 15, 20 minutes where Wolves had won the game, basically. Maybe they took their foot off the pedal a little bit. But I was just left feeling fat, gross, miserable, and not by the lack of quality, because that, that can happen sometimes. But just the lack of fight, the lack of fire, the, the lack, of, lack of tackling. The lack, the lack of any kind of, you know, some meaningful impetus in the game. It, it was deeply disappointing. And it just, we said it before, it just underlined to me that the manager is now very, very acutely aware of what a big job he's got on his hands. You know, a major overhaul is required from top to bottom. 
Gabpra talks about lack of effort and attacking impetus in particular. And you know, we were on the podcast at the end of last week, and these were the exact things that we were saying about yeah. the performance against Spurs and the performance against Southampton. I think it would have made them up worse in this where Everton only had one touch in the Wolves half in that first half of the game in the Wolves box sorry in the in the first half of that game it's just not good enough is it? I think one touch in the Wolves half is probably about <laughs> isn't it really? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you, can t- you can tell within about two minutes at the start I mean that they weren't on it for want of a better phrase I'd I'd keep there's a couple of you know, sort of issues here as well. Obviously, we're still missing our first choice, probably three or four players at centre mid. Um, we obviously down to one centre half who what well, don't think is even, you know, even fit. Um, you know, I think you know, we ended up with what with three full backs on the pitch and none of them playing, you know, none of them playing full back. And I think so, there's some mitigation there, but can really we Day. It was, it was, it was. I won't say shameful, but it was getting on onto that, wasn't it? It was a dreadful performance, a dreadful attitude by the players. Um, summed up for me, I think. You know, no, no forward passing. I think it was a ball played out by Jordan Pickford in the second half to uh, Calvert Lewin, who was standing on the halfway line. Dominic got the ball played into feet. He had no options. He ended up passing it back. I think to Dicky. He ended up passing it back to Jordan Pickford. I mean. That was just the way we played the game, and we didn't look forward at all. The, the passing was dreadful uh, in terms of both the types of passing we were, we were trying to do. It was just sideways all the time, and even if we did try to pass it forward, we barely believe it went to somebody else. So um, yeah, it was just a, an awful performance. Like I can't really add anything to what David said apart from that, apart from maybe a couple of mitigations, um, and, and I do think. Going back to the point, uh, Preno was saying about the importance between now and the end of the season, is what is it? Is it £2 million a place? And not actually frustrating with but, you know, for financial reasons, we need to, you know, finish high, as high in the Premier League as we can. So um, there's still a lot to play for financially, as much as anything else. But by the looks of it, it don't look like a team that's capable of finishing the top 14, 15 at the moment, uh, which is, is really disappointing. Well, what really irritated me as much as the performance as well, the fact that there's no fans there at the moment. Our supporters can't get that message to the player how badly they're hurting. Uh, and I think that would make a difference. You know, you can imagine the reaction from the away section, you know, on a Sunday if the players had even attempted to go over after a performance like that. And you can imagine on Thursday night against Villa, you know, the reaction. Sometimes out in there can get that mess across altogether more volubly than, than, than the manager can, than the coaching staff can. From what Carlo said afterwards, you know he's angry. You know he'll have said things privately you know, to those players. I'm sure Duncan will well. But sometimes you know, the supporters getting that message across just makes that you know, message resound a little bit more deeply than it does. And is the lack of fans at the moment allowing the players to get away with a little bit? You know, are they allowed to go to emotions a little? I don't know. I'm reading too much into it, but I would have liked to have seen, you know, sort of the crowd reaction uh, post the game on Sunday. I know it's never going to happen or it can't happen at the moment, but I think the players are getting away with a little bit of an easy ride at the moment. Mm. Well, we did see Carlo before this match. He was talking about lack of recovery from his players, you know, going into from Thursday's match straight into a Sunday match here. And he did try and change things up from the start. He put out quite an interesting team, I thought, with uh, 
Leighton Baines playing as a wing-back, Kadeem playing as a third centre-back, trying to pack more bodies into uh, that troublesome midfield area. But Sam, it just, again, it just didn't really work, did it? Like, it's still Everton weren't being able to put enough attacking emphasis on the game. No, I think, for me, that game is probably just, don't even think there was any anger or anything after it. You know, it was just pure embarrassment for that to finish. And I think, gathered there from two minutes in, you know, even with these formation changes and trying to shake it up a little bit in terms of the personnel, you knew we were going to lose. And, and I was thinking about it last night, when was the last time we've got to a game where it's been billed as, you know, a, a big game for us, you know, a game where maybe we could have gone into the top four or a, a game away at the top six, a game basically where we might not necessarily have been favourites to win and, and we won and win. There's just so many, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm thinking you're probably now going more towards the first season of Martinez, maybe when we went to Manchester United and beat them. You know, all these games this season, when you think, you know, even from the start of the season, the silver, I think it beat Aston Villa, we'd have went second or something like that. We lost that. You know, these games we spoke about on the podcast, didn't we? Where we had to pick points up. You know, if we beat Chelsea, if we beat Arsenal, we lost them. You know, kids weren't in good form. Let's try and beat them, send a bit of a message. Got beat there, got beat by Wolves. You know, it's just, and I think this is why, especially, you know, the reaction to the game yesterday was, was quite, you know, none of it obviously aimed at Carlo, but I, I, I think one of the reasons now the players are getting so much kind of real anger and frustration aimed at them, certainly online and, and, and from Evertonians talking to each other, is because everyone's sick of it, aren't they? Everyone's sick of the same old story. It just, it just feels like at the moment you can play any team, any formation. And that's still the kind of dross that, that's going to get saved up because they're not bothered, are they? Like, you look at that game yesterday, and, and I don't think any of them seriously out the majority of you know. I'd like to think your Baines and your Coleman's and your lads like that go home and are you know gutters and 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 you know feel feel it. But you, you're not telling me that there's many lads who got home last night and were were feeling hurt or sore because to me, I think they the season's over. We're safe. We're in a nice kind of comfortable mid-table position. But it's us that have to kind of sit there and, and watch it. And, and moreover, you know, there's people, you know, I, I know, you know, my mum and dad who've got season tickets and that, they, they already have to fork out four or five hundred quid. There's people out there who use their hard earned money to, to pay for these tickets and stuff. And, and what are they getting back having to sit there and watch us get created for nine minutes by a team who a couple of seasons ago were in the championship? So. You know, it's, it's, it's not good enough, and it wasn't good enough from anyone kind of involved yesterday for, for a full 90 minutes. And even with those changes, you know, I honestly, and again, isn't aimed at Carlo. It's not his fault. He's working with, you know, blunt tools. But with those players, you, I, I just don't see what system we, we're going to use between now and the end of the season that's going to get us a win. I, I genuinely don't think we'll win another game this season because it's that bad. We had Seamus Coleman, was the man who came and fronted it up for the squad yesterday. He said, we need to ask ourselves some serious questions. Quality-wise, we've got some very good players. The desire and commitment there. Preno, that's, the, that's just the basic, isn't it? Like, desire and commitment, that is the fundamental thing that you need to be an Everton player, and they didn't show it. 100%. And like I say, supporters will forget an awful lot of failings if they see players having a go. We've spoken many times on this pod about players lacking quality, if you like, your Dennis Strachwellersies of the world, but because they put in an absolute shift, you know, so players will forgive them that. 
and they won't forget players who don't you know, put in 100 percent Seamus Coleman clearly saw that himself. I know I saw some people commenting that it's yeah, yet another hollow rallying cry. Uh, and I, I don't subscribe to that. To, to me, Seamus Coleman always speaks sincerely. And he's one of the players that you think will be hurting. You know, one of the players that, you know, generally always gives absolutely everything that he has. But sometimes you need people that are able to impart that quality onto their teammates. And that that's what makes, you know, sort of great, great players, great characters. They can inspire people around them. And it, it takes one, you know, challenge in a game. You know, we've seen it so many times, you know, the famous Phil Neville challenge against Ronaldo, you know, where... Some throws in you know, a challenge. I think Neville Southall talked about it. He says, when the game wasn't going well, he'd always like say to you know, Barry Orn or somebody, he said, come on, you know, so put a tackle in, you know, so upset somebody, get the crowd going. And it needs somebody of that ilk to try and inspire those around him. And normally that comes from somebody in the midfield area because they're normally involved in the action you know, and the opportunity to tackle more than anybody else. And we haven't really got players capable of doing that at the moment. Um, which indicates that the squad itself isn't fit for purpose. You know, we haven't got players that can inspire other players around them, as well as the absence of quality. We haven't got players with the right character or the right leaders. And again, something we've spoken of millions of times on this part, you know, where are the leaders? You know, where are the captain of the squad? There aren't enough of them around, and we need more of those types of players. So initially, what we thought was going to be, a, you know, a summer where Carlo Ancelotti would be looking to bring in two or three decent quality players, it looks like he needs to bring in an entire squad. You know, you, you can probably like highlight three or four players that you'd be, you know, so willing to keep hold of and after the core of the squad. The rest have got finger, or sorry, got question marks applied to either A, their quality or B, their attitude. And how many times have we said another big summer ahead, Everton? And a summer that's truncated for obvious reasons. We're not going to get a massive amount of time to do anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worrying, worrying and frustrating. Mm. As Brad has there, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a discussion about Shane Holman's uh, comments, Gav. Uh, some people were thinking that it was just another soundbite after another disappointing defeat. But to me personally, I, I this is something that kind of needed to be said. You don't want you don't want the whole squad to be silent after a game like that, do you? So Seamus Coleman kind of does need to come out and give these home truths out, even if it is something that we might have heard so many times. Yeah. I'm a bit torn on this. I, I, I understand uh, people who get a bit... Yeah, we've heard it all before, not just from Seamus, by the way, but on social media and all this. Uh, so I fully understand that. At the same time, if Seamus doesn't say anything, people say, well, somebody should be sitting up with the squad and saying, you know, this is not good enough. And, you know, so you're damned if, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know. Um, the worrying thing for me is um, going on to... Dave's point really about replenishing the squad is financially we're not in the same place as being as well equipped as 2016 and 2017 to, to bring in a, you know, five or six players. We obviously haven't got the money to do that. We haven't got the cash to do that. Um, so when I was listening yesterday and looking on social media, we were saying, oh, you know, we need to clear out and all this. It's not, it's not going to happen because we haven't got the money to do that. Uh, you, you may be, you know, we can be sort of imaginative and get a couple of people in on loan, say like did in 2013. And the, the, the worrying thing for me is the players that we're looking at and their attitude on the PS today, it's likely all this that 80, 90% of them are still going to be in the club next year. 
purely because, as we know, and as we've spoken on the podcast before, a lot of them are on good money and I won't move. And, uh, you know, what you know, one out in the move. So I think it's it's going to be a case of bringing in a few players. But Carl will get the tune next season. I was just, a lot of the players that saw yesterday. And that's going to be a nice task for him as a manager. Uh, I, I, I said this before the, the pod started. I think Carlo had an easy ride, by the way, yesterday in the last couple of games. I was very generous in praising him a few weeks ago. Um, for the way he managed the first three games after lockdown, of course, he managed the resources brilliantly. You know, tactically set up well. But I think as a manager of Evan Football, could be also has a responsibility for um, the players' attitudes. And if they don't show the right attitude, I also think that's a failing of the manager. Um, he's got to instill that in, and that's what he's been paid the King's Ransom for. So I sympathise him that he's not been given the best deal in terms of injuries. Um, so on, you know, obviously bad recruitment. But I don't think he should be given, you know, free reign. To say, oh, it's not to do with Carlo, it's all the players fought yesterday and over the last few games. He also has to take the share of responsibility. Mm. I think it's a tough one, though, because obviously, you know, it's not the Ancelotti is, is infallible in all, in all of this. And certainly, you know, if we're still putting in performances like that in 12 months' time, then, you know, I'd 100% agree with Gav. But I also think that it's a case of it's just such a, a hard situation to be in because even for Ancelotti, you know, I know he's spoken publicly of. Uh, pushing for Europe and stuff. It was all it was maybe on a few weeks ago and, and, and results haven't kind of went our way. But with what he's got to to give and with the time he's had and with this kind of coronavirus pandemic thrown in, he, I just don't think it would have you could have had any manager in at this time and I just think we could get any better than what we're getting yesterday unless he wants to, you know, I still think he, he showed a certain amount of faith in those players yesterday to, to set up the way he did. But I think the only way we would have got a result is we would have went back like you know the the big Sam kind of football of actually just sitting in and clinging uh, to what you've got. You know, when you've got the kind of players we had, especially in midfield, you know, Sigurdsson and Davis, possibly one of the worst central midfield performances I've ever seen. Uh, not just for Everton, ever in a Premier League game. I thought it was bizarre how bad it was I, I just don't know how, you, how you're going to get a tune out of them and, and I genuinely you know almost worried by you know what what must Carlo be thinking who's who's okay it's not like you can compare our lads to lads who played for PSG and and the great AC Milan and Real Madrid teams but seriously seriously kind of thinking that he must be going home after some of these matches and just and just thinking you know what have I walked into here? And and I think Carlo might even be suffering a little bit of what we had as fans, where, you know, paper, you know, Gilfie Sigmund sounds great and he was great for Swansea. I've heard good things about him. And he's not quite doing it on the pitch. And there's a few lads like that at the moment who've who've seen who've got reputations who and the the kind of slowly just fading away, aren't they? And you know, Pickford, who someone I know me and Preno have stuck up for on the pod a few times. Sticking your tongue laughing when you just drop one of your legs and you know, you're going through the ringer a little bit isn't isn't a good look for for anyone. So it's tough to, you know, I don't even think it's at the moment now a time to point the finger at Chelsea players, brands, or Machiri or whoever you think should be getting the brunt of the criticism. I think it's just time to get the season out of the way and reset because it's certainly not been a a good 
last couple of weeks, especially when you think it's mad that we're sitting here really after, you know, things seemingly quite positive after the Leicester game and it's unraveled very, very quickly. And, and as Preno was saying, it's now to the point where I think a lot of fans are looking to make seven or eight signings this summer and it's just not going to be possible. Personally, I thought that that Leicester City game, we won that largely on the strength of Carlo Ancelotti's tactical now. It's the changes he made in the second half. It was a tough watch, you know, the edge of our second half. The changes he made influenced the outcome of the match and then it allowed us to win. And I think he's learning about the players at his disposal. And I think he's learned very, very quickly that we haven't got a midfield, you know, so we're the other many Really, he needs to adjust that quite badly. But he's looking at other players. I'm surprised that maybe Benny Beningame hasn't been looked at yet because, let's face it, there's nobody else in the entire squad who can play in the midfield who um, he's not had a look at yet. I think that's Gareth Branthwaite came on. So rather than, you know, reshuffle his resources again, thought, OK, you know, so we've spent, you know, a fee on him. Let's have a look at the lads, see what he looks like. And, you know, he's still very, very young and clearly there's, you know, sort of an awful lot of progression still for him to come. So I despite that, called that you know he wants to see a reaction and he wants to see a huge improvement on Thursday I think he also wants to learn a little bit more about the players at his disposal and the lessons he's learning at the moment are bad and negative um, so despite us saying that we're not going to be able to make wholesale changes in the summer the changes that he makes are going to be have to be absolutely spot on I mean the thing is getting pointed now you know so of Carlo Ancelotti the direct football you know the recruitment strategy because the players that we've brought into the squad haven't been, you know, impressing. I mean, Moise Keane still hasn't been started in matches, you know, so almost a year after he arrived. And that indicates that they don't trust him. They don't think he's quite... And I shared that mistrust as well, to be fair, you know, from what I've seen from him so far. I understand why he's not starting games. But again, that suggests that, well, you know, so maybe we weren't quite right to spend that amount of money on him. Alex Proby looks massively overpriced, you know, at the money that we spent on him at the moment. So I can understand why so many fingers are being pointed in so many different directions. And yet, what Sam said, a reset is required, but that can't be done to play three more games, read a little bit more about the squad that we have available to us, and then where we need to make those changes. You know, we need to prioritise where we need to make those changes because big changes need to be made. You know, we're going backwards at the moment, not forwards. You know, we're a little, little lift at the start of the, uh, you know, the restart. And since then, it's slipping again and again. And it's the bottom half of the table. Now we're going to do well to finish top half, and that's that's a huge concern. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the recruitment strategy is coming under a lot of, uh, a lot of scrutiny over the past few days and weeks. And you know, as Prano rightly says, like fingers are getting pointed here, there and everywhere. But you know, it's something that you've just touched upon, Gav. But is this... Is this the worst time, really, to be trying to do this kind of deep rebuild? Because we just don't know what what's going to what the situation across the world is going to be in the future. Never mind, just in like. Dan's getting the money. We've got eighty five percent of our incomes wages for the start. 
we need to be getting rid of players, never mind bringing them in. Um, that, that's the first point. Uh, the second point is, we are not going into a normal close season. What, what sort of gap are we talking about? Five weeks? Maybe yeah. six before the start of next season? Um, we, we, we can't afford, we, at least we can't afford what we've got at the moment, you know, essentially. Um, we're a club that's running tens of millions of losses, you know, since this year. Um, so I think the approach I'd have uh, to recruitment would be, yeah, we can probably afford two or three players coming in. But I think we need to be um, ambit, you know, imaginative. If I was looking at recruitment in the next six weeks, what I would be doing is saying, if I can't afford players, I'd be talking to other clubs and saying, well, I've got, I've, you've got a gap that uh, can fill. I've got a gap that you can, you can fill. You know, so you get into play, you know, just swapping players around, um, where there's no real financial, um, you know, no financial cost. That's the type of thing I'd be looking at doing. Um, bring maybe it might be people who are free that you don't have to pay a large cash sum up front for, because obviously cash is, is short at the moment. So I think we, um, if we are to have a, a more sell change to, to squad numbers, we need to be imaginative. So swap deals, freeze, that type of stuff. Um, we certainly can't get anywhere near the level of expenditure we had in the summer of 2016, 2017, both in terms of transfer fees and players. We're just not in a position to. Um, so it, it's going to be a major task. And also the fact that obviously, you know, before next season, that there's only a small window. Obviously, the Saturday went beyond that. Um, so it's a major, major challenge. Um, it, it could be said, to be fair, that actually the players slacking off over the last three or four games is actually better. And he's actually seeing the other side. They're actually, you know, think I'm, 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 you know, I can't trust, you know, four or five players on the pitch now. It's hard to find that out now than so September, October next year. So um, it's going to be an interesting one for me. And then just quickly going back to matters on the pitch, I'll ask you about this, Preno, because Sam's already quickly touched upon it. Jordan Pickford, uh, another couple of mistakes for him on uh, Sunday. Uh, that He had that one that went through his legs and he scrambled back to get it on the line. Got beaten at his near post for the third goal. But it seemed, seemed to be a reaction to those mistakes which uh, caused eye on social media. What was, uh, what was your take on it? It's funny, actually, because I, I saw a comment on uh, on Twitter uh, recently saying, you can't wait to hear me and Sam try to defend Jordan Pickford on the next podcast. And I'm not <laughs> going to try to, because I, I'm a big Jordan Pickford fan. I've defended him so many times uh, on this pod. But his form's worrying me at the moment. Um, it's, it's reaction worries me. Good goalkeepers are strange beasts, you know. And I, I've seen the greatest we've ever had uh, in Neville Southall. He did strange things at times. You know, he walked out to half time in a match and sat on a goalpost. Uh, you know, when he was trying to leave the club, but goalkeepers behave in different ways. And you know, him pulling faces and you know, so sort of pulling tongues—that's relief. I haven't got away with one. And you know, you'll learn as he grows and as he matures as an individual. The goalkeepers need to play a poke face. They need not to give anything away 
to you know opposition players at all and you know he'll learn from that but what worries me at the moment so i can defend him in terms of his reaction it's not great you know it, it doesn't it's not a good look but he will learn from it and i think you know as he matures you get better at but what worries me is the lack of concentration um that is a huge you know thing uh for a goalkeeper doing very very little all game and then pulling a world out when it matters most and um, he's done it you know during his career but he's not doing it at the moment. It's almost like he's switching off on occasions and, you know, he's getting caught out. He dropped one in the first half and got away with it. You know, he, he switched off fatally and one went through his legs this time. And that that's catastrophic, you know, when you're a goalkeeper. You learn uh, to concentrate more during games. I'm not so sure. I don't know. So I'm not going to try and defend him. He's going through a bad run at the moment. Um, I'm hoping he can come through it and he can continue to be the goalkeeper don't think he can be. Um, he's still in his first choice. I know people are bigging up Nick Pope after his performance at Anfield at the weekend. But, you know, goalkeepers have these little, like, you know, little dips in form. David De Gea has had them. You know, it was only like a year ago. He was the best goalkeeper in Europe. And then people, like, you know, him apart because of makes He's made this in Kasper Schmeichel yesterday. Uh, people raved by Kasper Schmeichel. He made two howlers yesterday. It happens to goalkeepers. It's how you recover from them and, uh, and go on from that. Jordan for the, does have to recover from the form he's at the moment. I think he can, uh, but then again, I've been proved wrong many times in the past. But no, I still think I, I still think he's got enough qualities to be a, a good Everton goalkeeper for many years to come. But he's got to improve. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Well, Sam, I've seen Jordan form be similar to this before. You know, this isn't an isolated sort of scenario. Even in the game before this, uh, this Wolves one, we've had, you know. In the Leicester game, there was a very unfortunate own goal, you know, flapping across against Spurs and Southampton. You know, this is, as Preno says, a worrying run of form, but we have seen Jordan Pickford put in a consistent run against Everton as well. Like, what, what do you need to do to try and find that again? I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's confusing that for that first season, uh, we signed under, under Ron Koeman, um, you know, he, he was probably by far and away our best player, uh, and since then it just feels like probably from the second half, probably started around the time of the Vacherigi goal. I feel didn't he? he just doesn't seem to have been able to put together a real consistent run of matches without making mistakes or, or doing something that doesn't get attention brought to it. But I, I thought after last season, after that Newcastle team, which brought a lot of attention to him. We can't have that meltdown in the second half at St James's Park, and he was fine until the end of the season. Didn't make any mistakes, kept clean sheets, and I think ended up with the the third or fourth most clean sheets in the Premier League. And it did seem like it was behind him, and it's almost been like a bit of a deja vu uh, season for him in, in that respect. And, and it's just getting a little bit difficult. And, and as Pred, I'm saying, it's becoming more difficult to defend him because. I say I think the goalkeeper we've seen in that season who went on to our that World Cup for England, where he was one of England's best players in, in the run to the semi-final. You know, you don't just lose that overnight. He does have a natural shot stop and ability. He's got good tribution. But he's got that moment in him, which which you need to cut out. And you know, I think you said it yesterday, Jordan, the game, that if you've got a young lad coming on who's 18 for his Premier League debut and your keeper's missing crosses and dropping the ball to his legs, then you actually sit down your back door, which... You know, at the moment, Everton need Everton needs one confident and assured behind him. So, you know, I, I don't think we're getting to the point yet of where he's going to get dropped. That's because there's no ample 
uh, back could, could be the point made, but he's got to, in these last four games of the season, uh, really, really not make any more mistakes. And he's got to just just have a quiet few games. You know, he doesn't have to be making corner saves or clawing them with one hand or anything like that. Just do what needed to do. You know, don't get beat at your near post. Don't drop them through your legs. It's simple stuff for, for many goalkeeping a playbook and then next season will certainly be the test you know when the position as Gav's saying you know, if this was a different summer if we were looking great in other areas then I'd say Pickford would be worried at this moment probably not but look if he, if he comes back next season and makes a couple of errors in the first few games then your bonus losses and your uh, Jav Virginia's going to be knocking on the door aren't they and saying look Carlo if, if I can't get in the team now I'm never going to get in the team so Will that spare him on? Is he the kind of lad who will respond well to that? You, you've got to hope because, you know, he's a, he is a down-to-earth lad and he, he doesn't seem to let things get to him, but it's starting to become increasingly worrying. And I think there's been a real shift uh, from the supporters in terms of, you know, it seems like a lot of people are now starting to question him and now we've got to see if he's got that mentality to prove everyone wrong. And, you know, I hope we are sitting here in, in 12 months' time thinking... You know, that was, you know, I wonder what happened for those 18 months when he had that in the form. And as Preno said, the keepers can easily swing with your De Gea's and people like that. So, you know, he does need a quiet end of the season and, and use the, the downtime or the very limited downtime he'll have to, to get his head together and come back and be that goalkeeper we all seen in that first season. Mm. Sam mentions England there, Gav. And obviously it does come with an increased amount of scrutiny when you're given the year your national team's number one jersey. Yeah, I think that's playing on him a little bit, or do you think it's it's an issue, like, separate from that? Uh, funny enough, when Sam was talking here, I thought, if Adam comes to me, now I'm going to mention the England thing. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I suspect that there is a certain type of um, self-confidence and all that, that being England's number one keeper, isn't it, where you regard it as such. I'm just wondering, obviously... You understand me better tonight, Nick Pope, who is also not pressing Could be argued that, um, for going to be first in the pecking order, it could be argued he's third in the pecking order at the moment, based on form. Uh, I think it was mentioned not too before, Pope had injury, that he was knocking on the door anyway when people saw both of the keepers in training. So uh, I think. But no Jordan's personality from what you see on the pitch and some of the stuff that goes on off. He looks like the type of player who would and keeper who would be it would be in the back of his mind. Um and and that would only be natural, wouldn't it? Um and maybe that's maybe yeah, some of the issues. But let's face it, you've not seen anything the last few games that he's not done previously for us, has he? You know, he's been prone to edit. You've just got to be thankful for that. I don't think... Has he, has he made another lead to a goal since he came out of lockdown? He's had three or four close shaves, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got away with them. And I think what people yeah. also lose sight of is some of the saves he's made, which have actually prevented goals. Yeah. I mean, you know, Southampton that was on the crossbar and like a very... You could say he got away with it because, you know, the fella... Put the, uh, the follow-up straight at him, but to me, that was a great save. That that was a great yeah. goal, you know, saving stuff. But people tend to overlook that the obvious errors, you know, and they are obvious. They are errors that you know, fortunately, haven't led to a goal, but they attract scrutiny and they make people think, you know, is his mind really on the job? So it's something he's got to eradicate. You know, we, we really defend against it. It's 
got to improve, got to do better. And yeah, people say, I think picking on Sam's point, people say, oh, needs a new keeper and stuff, but actually, there's bigger problems elsewhere. I yeah. think just to, to uh, target first. I think a fully focused Jordan Pickford to be an asset to any team in the, in the Premier League. Um, he's still a very good keeper. Mm. And then, well, yesterday's game effectively ended the season, ended any sort of slim hopes of a qualification for European football. And then, obviously, the decision with Manchester City kind of confirmed that uh, this morning, of course. Ah, uh, still three games. <laughs> Three quite easy games left, of course. Uh, Villa and Bournemouth, who are both fighting for their lives at home, and a trip to Sheffield United, who are still in that European fight uh, away from home. Breno, what do you for these last three games? Do you do you as a as a chance to try and experiment for, ahead of the summer, or it, it, it's a it's a it's a real it, it just seems it just seems like what 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 would you do if you were Colin Chelsea? It's funny because uh, when Sam at the beginning of the other podcast said that you can't see us winning another game between now and the end of the season, uh, it surprised me because Sam's normally super optimist, you know, we're going to win every game. Yeah. But equally, you know, I thought, no, no, behave yourself. But having, you just having read those fixtures through then, I'm thinking, wow, you know, so Villa, who've just won a game and a battling for their lives. Bournemouth, who've just won a game and battling for their lives. And Sheffield United have just demolished Chelsea. I'm thinking, right, it's okay. Yeah, maybe we won't. <laughs> so maybe it is going to be difficult. And no, the, the last three games, it's still a learning curve for Carlo Ancelotti. He still needs to learn as much as he can about the players at his disposal. And he sees their quality or otherwise on training pitch every single day. Now needs to learn about their character and their attitude and how they respond to him publicly having had a go at them, which he has done. And that will teach him a little bit more again about the players. So it's still a learning curve, you know, that, that's what he's going to do. In terms of experimentation, there's not really anywhere he can turn now because we haven't got that big a squad, you know, that, that he can experiment. I think I mentioned Benny Beningamy before, and that was only slightly uh, tongue-in-cheek because there's nobody else really that he has already had a look at. There are so few players available uh, at his disposal that he can bring back in. Theo Walcott looked all right, you know, given the fact that it was his first game back uh, after injury. I think we'll probably see a bit more of him, maybe a bit longer this time. But where he needs to make changes are in the engine room right in the middle of the pitch you know so the players that are going to spark the momentum we're going to create you know the the attitude for everybody else to follow there's nobody else that can actually play in that role unless i see a, a roberto Molina style and blaine's baines playing again, <laughs> <laughs> which i don't think we will um so i don't think there's anything you can do other than see what kind of attitude change you get see what kind of reaction is having publicly hauled them over the goals see if he gets a reaction now and if he doesn't get a reaction wow you know he has got serious problems to uh, to address during the summer mm. i think the problem is gab you can't just write these games can you? because what might not mean anything in terms of you know european qualification or anything like that as you said it could mean a lot in terms of you know league position and uh, yeah. financial situation but there's also this feeling among fans where we've seen a, a string of really poor performances from this side now you can't let that run continue until the end of the season can you you've got to give these fans something to hang on yeah exactly i mean i think you know what like gold times one of the most points is you know how kendall in his early years always used to i was very pleased to say that season, well, i knew that was coming and take that into the you know <laughs> You know, taking into the following season, and 
this, this is especially to this, isn't it? Where, as I say, you might only have a six-week gap. So you're not going to have three months to forget about it. You're actually going to have, you know, a couple of international breaks worth of uh, weeks, haven't you, before the start of the, the next campaign? So it's all about momentum, isn't it? And we want something to take us into next season, which is, as I say, just literally around the corner. Um, so I think that's one of the one of the main reasons why these three games are aside from the financial aspect. Um, you don't want to be starting off in the beginning of September thinking, you know, last six games of the previous campaign, we, you know, we got a couple of points and that was it. You know, tip tip having to be playing two teams of fighting for the life of the last three games, isn't it, though, as well, you know? I know Bournemouth could, could be different for Bournemouth, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, put it this way, the last now maybe what they did a couple of weeks ago, even on for the fact that, you know, the European thing uh, is gone. Mm-hmm. Right, lads, I think that's uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you all very much for joining, and thank you all very much for listening. Might have been a hard listen at some point, but uh, both that's whatever Everton have, uh, have, have given to us. Uh, don't forget that you can rate and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can join in the discussion on Twitter, and you can join our Royal Loop Pod group on Facebook to send in any topics that you might want us discuss and send in any questions that you might want us to answer and this has been the royal blue podcast you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo